gotta stop entering the show like that, but it's too much fun. Yes, we have a new logo. Yes, we got a new theme song. Yes, I guess it could be a new season. Anyhow, welcome to episode 78 of the RC After Hours podcast. I'm your host, Andre Russo. Thank you for uh, all the notes and comments and everything over the last week or so. We've had some fun, and uh, it's a bit of an anniversary episode, and uh, won't... uh, We'll mess around, have some fun, talk to some people. We've got a guest on the show. I didn't even intro him yet, but I'll get to him in a second. First and foremost, I want to do a big, 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 big shout out. And you guys are going to love this. I'm going over to one. Bang. Here's the website. Um, first and foremost, thank you to all the Patreons. You guys have been keeping us, keeping us the show going, and because of uh, your efforts and contributions, I've been able to, uh, you know, procure some new music, do some graphic works and everything, and yes, as I said, I just uh, finished off the, the logo. It's not quite done yet, but it's good enough to go for the show. Gotta do some tweaks and some fixes and everything, but eventually, this new logo will be on, uh, we'll get some stickers going, we'll get some ball caps, uh, and some other little bit of merchandise and everything. Um, but I figured it was time for a new flair. As I said, a new, we're at a new stage in the, in the podcast and, um, with the old, in with the new, hence the new podcast theme song. It's, it's a song I'd heard a couple months ago, and I didn't want to put the money down right away, because uh, but it was on sale, so I finally snagged it. And I really like it. It's got a little bit of fire to it and everything. Kind of pumped me up and, and, and make the show good. So on the Patreon site, on the Instagram site, you can see the new logo. Check it out. I've already retagged all the, uh, the social media and all the podcast uh, distribution points with that new logo. Uh, and once I'm done doing some little more tweaks and everything, it will be going out to for, uh, so you can pick up T-shirts and everything. So Because we have not had T-shirts. We've not had a new look and style in a long time. So it is there. Okay. And the other cool thing for those listening, and I'll put all the information into the show as well onto the Instagram and Facebook page, BuddyRC is, uh, they're doing a coupon code for us, folks. I talked to TJ, who is an old friend of, of the community and everything, and he's now running their social media and working with them. And I managed to get, uh, <laughs> um, I managed to, uh, we were just chatting, and I, I retweeted uh, one of their um, airplanes, and uh, the OMP, uh, their their new Balsa uh, high wing, and he tagged me right away, and I was like, hey, what about a, a RC After Hours coupon code? And they came back, so uh, 10% off, RC After Hours is the coupon code, BuddyRC, uh, and check them out. And this is good till I think uh, the end of October, Halloween. So, and we'll probably still going. We had a great time with some of our previous uh, sponsors uh, for the show, or people who are helping out the show with discounts and everything, and really showed them uh, what the RC After Hours community can do as far as supporting and manufacture. These guys, uh, they ship across the U.S. and everything. All right, fine. I'll be upfront. The majority of the audience for this podcast is us based so this just just makes sense so again big shout out to buddy rc uh buddyrc.com uh for uh, supporting the rc after hours podcast and so the, this is for you guys so if you're interested in uh you know supporting one of these guys uh 10 discount uh, you know that, that can't be argued with all right let's get on with the show uh, good evening everybody who's uh listening to us live 
And uh, I'm going to bring up our... Well, you, you can't see the man. The guy does this to me all the time. It's Alpha from RC... Uh, RC After Hours. Well, you're on the podcast enough. It's Alpha from Motion RC. Uh, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Afternoon, afternoon. <laughs> so, um, Alpha's part of the podcast tonight. We were just chatting. And uh, as I said, it's episode 78, Aiming for Perfection. And um, this is on so many levels because we're going to talk about, uh, I've just talked a little bit about trying to you know, really get this podcast to the next level and just really tweaking it and putting it out and working away. And then you got this guy, Alpha, who's just, who's, you know, just released this crazy new jet, which uh, I'm going to say fits this theme. And then I'm busy playing with balsa planes and learning a whole lot. And, you know, you, I'm, you've played with fuel uh, or wet. I guess the term is wet aircraft for, uh, you know, power supplies and stuff like this over the last little while. So it just kind of works out. So uh, and we haven't talked to you. I think we haven't done, haven't talked to Alpha in a, in a bit. Uh, his last release was talking about what the Nexus, your um, your balsa planes. So eh, running theme. Yeah. Myself, I've still have not flown my two. Now I have two. I've got a glow plane, a little cub, uh, which I've socialized pictures on. Uh, check out our Instagram and everything. RC After Hours on Instagram, and obviously I've got the extra, which is a gas plane. And I've been working my way through. There is a substantial, I will say, a substantial difference in in working away um, and learning what is required uh, to, to, to feed and keep a, a fuel plane happy. And it was things like, I didn't even, in the electric world, I mean, we're spoiled. We're honest to goodness spoiled when we walk into the field, dump our foam plane down, plug in our battery, and off we go, right? I mean, you do your little, you know, your little checks and everything like that uh, and make sure everything is going. But I had no idea the level of prep that I want to roll in. And again, aiming for perfection. I want everything about this airplane to be proper. So right now I'm chasing the CG and I thought I had it. And then I started studying stuff and I wasn't happy how I was doing it. And so I'm taking weight off. I'm putting weight on. Of course, where's the weight? under the cowl on the extra what's in front of all that five bolts right the the, uh, the spinner plus the four bolts holding uh holding on the prop so it's every time that's all that's all that comes off two more to get the cowl off four more sorry to get the cowl off and then i gotta get this whole thing off the <laughs> over top of the batteries and all this stuff but i'm close i'm really close um one of my buddies carl who's j- building a giant b17 he's done a big big uh, p40 before suggested a different way uh using triangulation to you know hoist the airplane up and um and just to find the cg and then our friend seth from uh um uh, flex also said i could also use scales if i wanted to as well so so i'm close i'm really close um it was funny at one point i thought i had it and then i was like wow this thing is a little weird and then i forgot to actually put the canopy on the airplane so it was like okay there's there's a lot to take in a lot to focus and um i got a treat for everybody um you can uh alpha if you're watching it on youtube actually yeah you are all right you can you can comment through this too but uh for the audio people you're gonna love this i actually have a recording of me starting this airplane uh this was probably the second time uh of getting it going and and this is the extra with an eme 60 uh it's been in a 24 by 10 prop it has got a um 
It's got uh, a, a canister, so it is a little quieter than I think a little of them, but I've, you know, but here we go. You ready? Hold on. So I have, I have subsequently, I have run this airplane before. Um, Alpha, you're probably seeing, hearing it on the delay, but it, it's so good. <laughs> um, I'm running through everything. I'm learning about setting the highs and lows on the motor. And um, the last, uh, the last run I did, I actually have finally built a stand. And I'm doing this all at home in the backyard on the driveway and so forth, just because I haven't had the desire to get out to the field with it. And at 500 RPMs, it moved the stand. So I had to chain to put the stand down. And uh, it, it sounds like 10 lawnmowers. Well, basically, it's it's a two-stroke. Is this two-stroke? Yeah, I guess this is one's a two-stroke, you know. You're right. It's a EME 60. Yes, it is. is yeah, yeah. But gas-powered, so then, you know. And it's things like, you know, getting the ratio for the, uh, the fuel-to-oil ratio. So I'm there, and I'm like, okay, let's go down to fluid ounces. And I get my little syringe thing, and it's just... It's all these little steps that I'm having to actually learn and walk myself through and just read. I've got a huge shout out to, to I have, you know, my, my RC inner circle, you know, like the people I go directly to to ask questions. Because if you post something online, you ask a question online, it's almost overwhelming, right? Because everybody has a way to do it. And so I, I've learned this, and this goes back to the car days. You know, you ask those people, you ask those trusted sources, right? Because it's it is legitimately overwhelming because there are so many different ways to do it. So, but I'm learning my I'm um, I'm 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 stepping my way through all of this, and I'm I'm really looking forward to flying this plane. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> so Alpha, tell us um, what kind of fuel experience do you have? I started on fuel. I um I mean the good kind of dope as we call it, you know, Japanese tissue paper and dope yep. and and um coxo one o's little nice. babies yeah 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 yeah. yep o for nine was big at the time and so the o one o o two fives was was more accessible and then um all the way up to moki most recently <laughs> we just brought our own line of admiral gas engines specifically because most of us here are actually gas guys the martin and wayne um, we all started with gas you know, decades ago. So hearing your excitement and seeing you start up and you're going through all the the differences, right? It's, it's just exciting because it's a circle. Whether people come in on the electric side and go gas or they're they're coming from fuel, liquid fuels into uh, yeah. into electric or foam or whatever, it's all it's all there's always something fun when you're discovering something new. This is it, and uh, it's funny because the um, the glow plane, the the cub that I've got, uh, which is a, um, a Goldberg, yes. So it's the uh, anniversary edition clip wing, red. It's cool. It's got a, a sixty five four stroke point uh, sixty five motor. So, but it's glow. So I'm like, ah, you know. And it was just, you know what? I want to try this. It came with floats, so it's going to be a fun winter plane. And it's just getting the, those experiences in. So. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be just those stepping. 
I initially had said to myself I was going to avoid glow because I didn't want two different fuels, but ta-da, <laughs> right? It's just the opportunity came, right? Um, and I don't, like I said, with everything that's going on right now, I really don't know, and I said this in the last podcast, I don't know when I'm actually going to see that Hangar 9 Cub, which is, it's tragic, but uh, it's fascinating that you say that you've, uh, you know, you're bringing some some gas engines of your own, so that'll be interesting. Um, what sizes? Uh, we brought in a 60cc and a 125cc to start. Um, just dropped in, just dropped the link into chat. So we've nice. had NGH for a while now. You know, there's there's a lot of great engine manufacturers out, out there. You know, I'd like to saw all the good ones. And in the meantime, we're we're building out with our with uh, models under our own brand. So there's an inline coming. There's a couple of fun things coming for our gas brethren. Cool. But, uh, but yeah, those two seem to be the size that. I mean, yours is 60. Most most yeah. aircraft also stuff from Nexa and, and from Black Horse. That's really the holds and the lineup. You know, we needed that big 125. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got two. some, you know, in that For, lineup, the, in your lineup there, there there's some big aircraft. Um, but I tell you, there, there's just something. Um, obviously, you're walking through so many safety steps when you're firing this thing up, you know, and, and, and getting there and, you know, and you're like, and I tell you, I'm sweating. The heart rate is up and everything. And you're like, thump thump and the guys are like well, okay when your choke's on you know it's gonna it's gonna it'll just it'll just pop and i'm like there was no pop it sp- jumped the life and scared the jump yeah it's out impressive of me, right? to be doing it alone right yeah I, I i learned i had guys at the field sort of saying don't do that do that do that so impressive that you're um you know you're figuring this out as you go well no like i said i've got i've got the inner circle and then there are some really good resources uh one of the videos that i watched and it was something you know it was it it was funny because i had said to a couple friends you know i've worked on race car engines i should be able to figure this out and it was just you know okay where are we going and and like you said in one of the someone had said to me you know it's it's the fuel the air and the fire and i'm like okay we tick 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 and just running the, the the diagnostics through all this stuff and um and, and there's some really good, uh, oh, I forgot it. I think it's from, it might be from Hobbyco. They had a really good walk the basics through of starting up a gas engine, right? And it was like this, this, this. And then I've got my phone and I'm taking notes and I'm like, okay, this is what's worked. And like I said, if I step through everything I had to go through in the last couple of days and it was like, you know, like the checklists are going off. I'm like, okay, I've got it running. I've gotten comfortable running it. Let's tune the, let's tune the, you know, the throttle servo so that when I drop the throttle down to, it stays at idle. And then I ran out of gas. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to put fuel into it right now because now I have an opportunity to check the CG and that turned into a whole, you know, it's just, it's just like one step after another. And it's just amazing because, this thing is big. This is a really big aircraft and like a low wing uh, style aircraft. It's really cumbersome to get your hands underneath. So I was like hunting for that CG point and, and like I knew where the CG point was, but just, just to try and do it. And then I started, you know, Googling, okay, what kind of stand could I use and all. It's just like, wow. And like all I'm really concerned about is just making sure this aircraft is proper set up and working so when I go to the field after I strip it all down and I cram it into my car, I don't know if I showed you photos of that, but it's, um, you know, it's interesting getting it into the car. It fits. It actually fits in the car, especially once you take off the landing gear off the back, the tail gear and everything. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> 
you know, it'll do it. Uh, down the road, definitely a trailer. But it's this is just the next generation of where I'm going with with the hobby and everything. So it's uh, it's it's exciting. It's 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 kind of fun to try all these different things, and who knows where it's going to lead me. Uh, but I, there's still a market. There's still a need. There's still a desire to fly those electric airplanes and everything. So. Ooh, and then like low fuel and everything. And we'll, um, I want to get Joshua Orchard back on because, you know, he, he's had some uh, successive successes and then some successive failures um, with his uh, with his recent uh, endeavors into glow and, and fuel. So who knows? Who knows? So it's uh, it's interesting uh, listening to people's comments and everything and, and going back and listening to some of the feedback through the podcast and everything. It was like, when are you going to try balsa? And I'm still building the biplane, the, uh, the, the wacko, wacko, wacko. I'm going to do it. The biplane Let's stick with the biplane. It's still, you know, you can see it in the video behind the, uh, behind the, the current plane. Um, it's still in production. It's still being worked on, but there are, um, there are technical difficulties. <laughs> Critical parts to the project are locked away in a shop that's closed due due to our current situation. So, eh. So maybe the plane won't fly till the fall. Maybe it'll fly next spring. Either way, I'm just kind of taking my time. So I think my plan for that one is to house it, store it for now, and then over the winter I can finish building it off. Because really, it's just covering the wing, the the lower wing, putting those servos in. Then going over the fuselage and doing all the the tail section and everything, so it'll live one day. I almost turned it into a gas plane again. It was originally a big nitro or uh, yeah, big glow plane. I'm almost considered looking into a gasser for it, but I decided electric will be nice because then I can store it inside the I can store it in the house. That's the problem with the gas planes too, right? Anything with fuel stays outside. Because I tell you, I was. Uh, I was cleaning the glow pump because it wasn't working right. And I had to open it all up. And man, I thought gasoline was a, was a smelly, sticky, icky uh, procedure. I've forgotten how bad glow is. <laughs> yeah, no glow in the house. <laughs> glow fuel is just, and like like old, this this stuff was old glow fuel. I can't talk. Um, so it's, uh, and oh, good stuff. I'm reading some of the comments on it. Uh, the hangar, uh, the guys, they will be on the podcast. They're shipping out a product, uh, their WASP with a Canadian RCAF uh, Canada 150 uh, decal package. So that's going to be cool. I look forward to that build. That's a fun little foam airplane. So, yeah. All right. Hi. All right. We got Alpha on the show. And, um, man, you guys. <laughs> You had said in previous shows, hold on to your hats, folks. And uh, you weren't lying, man. Holy moly. So walk us through this one. I want to I wanna hear, you know, look at this thing. Um, for those who are listening to the podcast, we're looking at the Freewing MiG-29 Fulcrum Digital Camo Twin 80 mil. Uh, this thing is a monster. There's a there's a photo there of James who is not a small man. <laughs> six foot two something. Six foot yeah, two. Seventy four inch, uh, inch bird, one ninth scale. So it's it's big. People said they wanted big. We've done small, we've done medium, we've done sorta of big. This is big. Well you're you're um was it the F twenty two? That was no small potatoes aircraft either, but 
this thing is once you get to those twin 80s the a10 before it was a 110 scale and uh you know big airplane we thought to do a one-tenth because then it would have fit it would have slotted in real nice but um yeah one-ninth seemed to be better because the l39 the mig 21 uh, the venom a lot of the european birds are one-ninth scale and we're sort of just going for how how big could we make this thing and still make it fit in a box <laughs> well and it I mean, turned out to be big <laughs> i mean you 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 at one point just had to be giggling with this thing sitting on a bench um Oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, this this thing is just with the ordinance and everything. Uh, but James is six foot, and James and I are six foot, and and a lot of our partners here in China are closer to five ten. So it's even more. <laughs> you know, we just did the AL three seven a little while ago, yeah. and they're like these, these big airplanes. But of course, you know, on balance, in the past twelve months, we've still we've had small birds in there as well. But this one just it had to be big. A fulcrum's always going to be big. We've already done. Freewing did for Sabart 10 years ago a twin 70 MIG, which was smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, we already have the twin 70 Su-35. There's other twin 70s out there, so we thought, do something different. You know, go big. Luke, I do remember nitro-ducted fans. I, I got started on ICDFs, and they were they were my favorite. Those Loud. Were, yeah, uh, they would make sound. a wicked sound, wouldn't they? They really would, and they're insanely fast. Had a Turbinator long long ago running icdf but um maybe those will come back in fact i think if i'm not going crazy i think brent brent hecht uh corsair nut on rc groups he put an icdf into his um i want to say it was chris wolf's jet hangar a7 recently he he Mm. brought it back sort of expecting that that bird's gonna get a big 90 or 10s 12s power system or you know k60 or k80 and he put an ICDF in it. I, I seem to remember seeing his Instagram or something. So back in the day, good sounds, you know, all good time. All right. So so mocking up something like this, when you make this kind of decision that, okay, we're going to go one ninth scale and everything, at what point is it too big for the foam? Um, there's definitely a point. I mean, there's, there's definitely a point. It depends on the aircraft. You look at the... Uh, you look at the the E-Flight Carbon ZT-28. I mean, I love that airplane. That's a big airplane. 1983 millimeters, I think, off the top of my head, give or take. And that, that's a big aircraft, big straight wing. Flies around really, really well. Our uh, Twin 80 A-10, 1700 millimeter or 1.8 on the AL-37. Um, and those aircraft fly really well. It's a mixture of just your wingspan and your overall wing loading. So... You just have to look at it. We could make these bigger. I mean, HSD has has large foam aircraft. That's it's just, true. you know, yeah. big plus affordable plus shippable in a box worldwide plus um, easily to easy to assemble. All those smaller considerations really add up. And for this aircraft, for the target price point we wanted in this day and age, you know, twin eighty was where it was at. I'm, you know what, honestly, I'm looking over some of the photos for the very first time. I mean, I haven't even flown my my uh, my 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 MiG thirty yet, so I'm like, okay, this is just, and, and that's a handful just to move it around. And everything this is this is this is impressive. I mean, you had to be having fun. You had to be giggling at it. You know, even in the mock up stage, um, just. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, well, we the seventy at the factory. We still we still have an old twin seventy Sabart built by Freewing Mig twenty nine. That was designed for like three D. Um, completely different mission, different material, diff- sort of different all the way around. Really more meant to be like a like a hand toss jet that could hover. And so we still fly it. And when we start when we started to drive around the idea and 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 really hone down the size that it would be in the displacement. So we're looking at our uh, we use uh, AR augmented reality visualization software to sort of see how it's how large it's going to be in a given space. And we're looking at it thinking that's going to be a big airplane. <laughs> the, the initial prototype was smaller. I actually just did a live stream on Twitch for the first time. Uh, Alpha makes a, uh, which is my new Twitch thing. So we did one about two hours ago. People were asking about it, about, uh, for example, uh, leading edge flaps. And that was one of the things that was in the prototype. The prototype was smaller. Mm. And we thought, you know what? I think we can ditch those because those aren't really enhancing the f- flight performance and, and pour those resources into making the aircraft bigger. And it isn't just going to make it big for the sake of making it big. It still needs to fly really well, which is, I think, what we ultimately ended up doing. It's basically, it's the weight of two of our T-33s, um, but it uses two, it's, it's slightly less than the weight of two T-33s, Yeah. but it's used two T-33 uh, 80-millimeter in-runner power systems. So everyone who's flown that aircraft, most people seem to love it, you know, it's got two of those. And it's less than double the weight. So trying to narrow down that flight profile was important. And the MiG-29 is a fun aircraft to design. So for transport, like how does it break down? Uh, so James actually posted in Hobby Squawk. TCAT and a couple of the other guys this morning were asking you know, specific questions like that because it's big. And your first question is, uh-oh, can I fit it? <laughs> so for example, your total length is 74 inches. Um, but 12 inches of that is the nose cone. Yeah. Nose cone and the pedo. So, you know, if you remove that, you're back to, you're back to under six foot. You're back to, um, back you know, you're back to 62 inches. Yeah. So 62 inches is closer to what our 90s are, like an F-18 or like an F-22. So it sounds like it's really big, and it is, but a whole foot comes off with the pop of a magnet. And now your length is more manageable. The wingspan yeah. is it's a lot but it's still less than, say, like our Venom. Um, so you, you shouldn't have to take... If you got a couple inches either way on your length and height in your vehicle, you shouldn't have to take the wings off. Cool, cool. Uh, and I guess... Uh, well, I mean, one of the advantages... Well, I mean, the, the, you've got this, the, the nose section with the gear up and everything. Gear aren't in the, on the wings, so that's kind of nice where they're in the mains and stuff like this, so um, that's, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, that's the other thing. We, we, we tucked the... Um, we tuck the mains so that they, they twist and rotate into the into the wing root, so they're they're fully they're closed up they're covered up so that's nice you know there's less less stuff hanging off the bottom to worry about when you're transporting plastic caps on the intakes this is the standard stuff we do these days yeah yeah that's uh, that's been a nice little thing because then you can you know if you set it down you're not worried about crushing that that front end and you know and you can make a foam tray and just slide it into the car like you said so really. Yep. Um, you're watching the extremities of your wing tips and obviously your, 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 your vertical tips and everything. So. Yep, exactly. That's pretty So yeah, cool. we've got dimensions guys in, in hobby squawk. Maybe I'll drop a link here if I can go find it. But, um, there's dimensions showing, uh, if you took one of the wings off or both of the wings off, what's the minimum sort of dimension you can get this thing narrow. What's the, 
the width between the, the horizontal stabs, the height up to the top of the vertical stabs, the fig- figure if you can fit it in your car. Suffice to say, we do a lot of our transport in minivans. Yeah. Stand- standard minivans or a standard SUV. It's a it's a Chinese brand SUV, but it's it's like a it's a Ford um, Escape. It's like an Escape. Yeah. yeah. It's an Escape, and we can get it into an Escape. So, you know, I don't I don't think we're ever gonna get. Well, with the balsa we already have, but for foam, it's really tough for me to imagine making an aircraft that requires you to take off both wings. One wing is, you know, fine. It's two screws. Yeah. But, um, you know, making the jump to two wings, I think at that point I would rather be making a balsa aircraft. Yeah, because you can you can build up, you can do the screws and everything. That's that's uh, on the extra. It's the wing comes off. It's and then yeah, obviously there's no flaps or anything. Um, I'm assuming your standard multi-pin connectors and everything for your wings, kind of like you know AD, the, the technology that you guys are rolling out modern on on all your modern aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Lots of ordnance. Lots of ordnance. How does it fly with the ordnance? Uh, so this one we specifically designed to fly with it, like the A-10. You know, four years ago when we released the 80 millimeter A-10, it, it included the ordnance. A lot of people said, "Oh, is it going to fly with it?" And the answer overwhelmingly was yes. You know, would it fly better without it? Sometimes, most often, yeah. Um, but there are tweaks and things you can do just to make sure that their presence. You're not really dealing with weight so much as you are just drag. Yeah, um, yeah. Like the angles that they're facing relative to airflow, like those types of things. There's things we can do that that aren't visually uh, sort of stark that make it fly better with ordnance. So we designed this one to fly. All of our flight videos that we've posted so far and everything you're going to see uh, in future, we're always going to fly it with at least the archers. It's got four archers on it, um, if not the two uh, the inbound eights. But you know, it looks so cool with the ordnance. <laughs> it, 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 it does and i and i'm sure and it's funny because leave davis said a lot of people would love a c-105 so it's 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 funny it's uh, a cf-105 it, it's funny i mean I, the moment you release a big aircraft i'm sure everybody else is just like well what about this one and what about that one and you you know your, your shopping list or your, your make list goes goes up because let's see, looking at your releases, so you're probably due for a World War II multi-engine next, you yep. know. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying in hindsight, you know, we're not we're not curing cancer. There's no rocket science over here. I mean, in hindsight, what we've done is pretty, I think, clear to see. You know, there's a general cadence with our releases, and we sort of, you know, at risk of being predictable, we're sort of predictable. <laughs> it's good to be consistent you know it's for people to, be to consistent. get yeah and you know and you're you're uh you know the summer the, the summer unfortunately was well i guess you guys didn't probably didn't have too bad of a summer and everything and you know a lot of people are going to look forward to what's going to be under the christmas tree next you know coming up i can't believe i just said that holy crap it's only august andre <laughs> but but looking forward right yeah it's coming <laughs> winter's coming i can't believe i just said that uh, yeah um it's yeah it's it's fun um honestly this one didn't you know i saw we saw all the tweets and the guys were like i wonder what it's gonna be and you know I, at first i was like oh and then i saw the scale once i saw the scale i'm like i know what they're after i know the presence um so september so this is this one's already on the boat i assume 
Uh, yeah, they're already on their way. So short, uh, short pre-order. With other aircraft, again, we try to change it up. There's usually a there's usually a two-month wait, and then there's a four four-week wait, and then there tends to be eight to ten-week wait or so. And then every now and again, we'll say it's in stock. It's you know, in so stock. that's yeah. we're sort of in that same pattern. This yep. one we wanted it to be shorter because the OV10 was a little longer. The mm. T33 before it was was about medium. Um, so this one will be here next month. We're talking to a couple of guys like like uh, like Pat in Arizona. They're going to be going to the St. George event at the end of September. So I think it's the 24th to the 28th in St. George, Utah. So there's about six guys right now who are saying that they've got the MIG pre-ordered and fingers crossed kind of thing. Yeah. Now, okay. So on a really big ship like this, you know, like we're talking numbers and ratios and everything, do you go, okay, we're going to take the, the order hit, you know, cause I know everything's a balance. Everything's a, you know, do you say, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to order, you know, X number normally, you know, on a, on a, um, on a smaller aircraft, we, we, we have our stats and everything. Do you just go, okay, let's put this thing in. If, if they don't sell all the way, they can, they can, you know, sit in the storage and wait till people buy them. Or do you, or you do like, do you pull a Ferrari and say, okay, you know, I know, you know, a thousand people want this aircraft, so we're going to make 900. Yeah, I wish. You know, <laughs> you're, you're over half a million in before yeah. you sell us the one. So oh, yeah. we, we, we can't, unfortunately, we can't sort of say, we can neither say, oh, if they don't sell, we'll just put them in the back, nor can we say we're only going to make a few. We can't do the exclusivity play. So it has to be, it has to be successful. I mean, I mean, guys, how many of you are going to drop half a million dollars hoping that your buddies buy an airplane? You know, it's, it's not, um, we can't leave it to chance. So that's where, that's where we depend and, and rely and appreciate customer feedback. So we can say, what do you want to come next? And more than specific models, we're looking for themes, trends. Mm-hmm. I'm flying on grass now, you know, all right, more stuff gets suspension gear. I like bigger. Okay. Well, we're going big, but, there's always going to be the people saying, but I'm flying in my backyard because my field's closed. Okay, you got to have something small. So yeah. to answer your question as far as you know, quantity and projections without getting to all like the secret sauce stuff, you know, we, we, just, we try to be sensible. We try to be smart. We try to be sustainable. Um, and as long as that, sort of, as that continues, we've been okay. I mean, I think we continue to produce more aircraft. World's in the middle of a pandemic. You know, we've continued unabated, you know, thankfully. Yeah. Um, because to us, we we judge each product, whether it be a small airplane or a big airplane, balsa or foam, whether it be introducing the new Admiral gas engines or 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 onboarding a brand like Tamiya or Kyosho, which I, we've done in the past month. Like all of those decisions are still judged on their own merit. You know, who's going to buy cars? Who's going to buy boats? Um, and we just... I know we just trust the community that they'll respond. If they if they don't like it, they'll tell us, and that'll be good too. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting a lot of feedback now about, and, and you're correct in in knowing it. Unfortunately for you guys, it's the um, you know you you're getting feedback now, and you're having to anticipate six months down the road. I mean, you you know, was there a moment where like you were thinking about this aircraft going, ooh, you know, like. Did you yep. have? Did you have to think about pushing pause on that button? 
Uh, luckily not. The, the MIG, uh, the MIG's been, we finished that bird almost a year ago. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we paused it. Another one of the themes, if sort of listeners go back and listen to all the stuff we talk about our airplanes over the years, you know, they take a year and a half or more to make, but we don't always, even after that time, doesn't mean we're going to make them immediately once that once they're ready to be made. After something is made, we sit and we we read the tea leaves, we listen to the to the to the community and make our decisions. So with this aircraft, you know, we we had it done last summer, but we had just had the 90 millimeter F22. It was very quickly followed by the F35, and then very followed very quickly followed after that by the F18. And we also knew that we had repaints for the L39 and the Mirage. And then we knew, of course, we had the AL37 coming up very shortly after. So we sort of said, well, rather than keep pushing bigger, faster, more expensive birds, you know, let's push this one back and bring up the AL37. That's a more universally um, applicable, appealable aircraft. And it turned out to be the right decision. And that allowed us to have these aircraft in the hopper such that now throughout the doldrum period post CNY and in the summer, we're still releasing you know, new fun stuff um, that we've been, it just so happens we've been playing with them for you know, nine months. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah. yeah um, uh, who was it? Perfection had a question about the gear. I just wanted to hear about the mains and how they are secured in the airplane. Yes, a good question. So the MiG-29 uses all-new uh, retract units. These are twists and turns. They're big. Um, and how they how the mains attach you know, through our standard plastic, it's it's the retract housing that then bolts into a plastic housing. The plastic housing is is molded into and glued uh, into the 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 wing root of the aircraft. So uh, the one of the changes that we've done, or one of the tweaks we did for this aircraft is building up on feedback from, for example, the Freewing twin 70mm SU-35. That's been out in the world for 10 years or so. A lot of feedback on it. You know, long bird, similar plan form to the MiG-29. And there are some weaknesses in the nose retract and in the mains on that aircraft. Granted, it was made out of EPS and their plastic mounts were a lot smaller, but you know, we know a lot more now than Freewing did back then. And so um, how do they attach to the aircraft? securely <laughs> uh, based on that type of information there are failure points designed into it you know we want the we want the um the follower arm on the nose wheel for example to snap before it snaps the pin in the trunnion because those are more difficult to service so those types of things following the the fault line as it were from impact um up into the structure we we want something to break to be something that's further outside of the aircraft rather than ripping the whole foam block um, out like some people have had with older generation freewing aircraft. Is it? Uh, I I suppose you know the 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 um, the phrase bigger flies better. Is it easier to design something at this scale and get it to fly the way you want it to fly and know that you're you're building a predictable airframe? Um, there's definitely more space. It's easier at the outset because there's more space. You know, you, you have more space to fit stuff. Um, it becomes more difficult later down the road because you need to deal with the context of the medium, you know, foam and plywood and aluminum joiners and carbon spars, all those types of things. 
the multi-materials that we and other manufacturers use to, to reinforce the wings on these aircraft, that that calculation can run away from you very quickly. Before you know it, you're 10% sort of over budget on wing loading, um, which will significantly impact how certain aircraft fly. So, you know, big is good um, initially, but you always have to worry about, about weight. Um, also, the math obviously changes. As someone can imagine, take a thin foam board, take a take a 30 centimeter or, or take a one inch um, thick foam board and apply a kilo or a couple pounds of weight on it and then double that. The amount of flex you're going to get in that foam and how much thickness in foam you're going to need to add to limit that amount of flex, it's exponential. It's two and a half times, it's three times. So you can't necessarily do that when you're bounded by keeping the aircraft in a box of a certain size, right? Um, so that's where you you have to, if you can't make it thicker in foam, you have to add carbon. But if you're adding carbon, it's got to go into a plastic retainer. If you're adding plastic, now it's that's another plastic mold. Um, it's It runs away from you very quickly. The reason why, who was it? I think it was Lee asking if we're making less expensive. Yes, Lee, you know, lots of smaller stuff coming. Um, you know, the reason why we like making the $100 planes, like the Shrike or the or the Havoc, for example, from Skynetic, is because those are much simpler. You make sure that they're rigid, where they're not going to fall apart, and that's about it. Um, you're not worried about all the other complexities. With like um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and you've told the story about the F-14 and just the, the, the you know, the, 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 the myriad of issues to get that aircraft to fly and again fly reliability you know and just all that internal working mechanisms so you know it's interesting that uh something this big and like you said do you feel you're on the cusp of like okay any bigger than this scale and the foam and like you said all oh, these other materials we can't go any bigger we're there we we can go bigger um but we fall off the cliff in value yeah you know there's there's that that aircraft is basically two T thirty three in runner, you know, high performance editions for yeah. four hundred bucks. You stuff them in one box, and you charge six hundred. I mean, it's just how do we do that? Yeah. Um, we can we can make them bigger, but it's the next one. It would jump ten percent more size. To use round numbers, you'd be twenty five percent more costs. I, yeah. I don't know that there are a lot of us out there, um, you know, at that price point. Well, I I, <laughs> I told you what I told you what this bad boy shipped was going to cost me if I bought one, and I'm kind of like you know, uh, uh, yeah, it's too much. Aaron, you're absolutely right. Aaron Crosby, you know, astute to observe. Shipping is a big concern of ours. Yeah. Um, you know, RC pays free shipping for anything over a hundred bucks within the within the United States. There Sorry, Canada. Yeah, I know. You know, but <laughs> but um, if if you imagine that that. That box is sixty bucks. Mm. Bucks. Yeah. You know it's, and you're not paying for that. I am. Yeah. So, so and you're uh, insuring it. We're insuring it, and and we're getting it from from the factory to us. I mean, just the bigger these things are, we know because Black Horse, some of our Black Horse and Nexa Balsa aircraft, they come in two boxes, and we're talking a hundred fifty dollars of shipping. So, um, if at all we can avoid. Um, oversizing the box we do and and when we make the box bigger we know to the millimeter for like it's a conscious decision you know why is that aircraft half an inch bigger than 
the shipping maximum for UPS before the shipping cost doubles? Well, because, and there's got to be a good reason after because, because we're paying for it, you know? Um, so that, that's why a lot of things could be done. Could we make a twin 90 millimeter SR 71? Of course we could. Um, would it cost me $150 to ship to people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to do that? Probably not. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's an aircraft that you don't want to do like your, your car, the, uh, the, the, um, not the L39, the, the, the airliner where you, you know, you ship in two pieces, right? That's, that's, that aircraft it will aesthetically will not, uh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading these comments about pennies in Canada. That that's an aircraft that just that just cannot be done that way. Like you, you know, you you, the way the wings and everything, it's just yeah, you're not going to be able to see that. So, that's a composite or a balsa kind of build, kind of kind of feel to it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there there are there are thresholds, but we just we want to be conscious of them. You know, a great example is. We also designed this aircraft to to be able to accept at a later date, um, an aftermarket sold separately, sold separately, sold separately, a three D thrust vectoring system. It's not in the PNP because what? It's sold separately. But we designed the aircraft to be able to take that uh, for people who wanted to pay the extra expense of buying the unit and bolting it in. You know, that's not something we were going to bake into the PNP. Because, one, it would increase the cost of the PNP by 20%, um, which would result in a significantly lower adoption rate based on our data. And, and two, it'd probably get more people in trouble. And also, <laughs> amazingly without it, you know? I mean, how many people really need to, to flat spin um, your MIG? Um, so, so we want to make those options. That's sort of how we imagine straddling those two worlds, you know, catering to the masses, making something approachable, easy to fly. It's still a basic six-channel airplane, but having a pathway for people who really want to take it to the next level on their own time and on their own dime, you know, they can they can play, and we'll support them in that, that way as well. That's, Victor's asking batteries. You know, yeah, yeah. a big thing when we're talking about economy, it, it still flies as big as it is. Our videos you've seen so far, it's all 6S 4000s. We've flown them on 5,000s, on the 5,100 carbons, and on 6,000s, um, just because we know people will. And it flies them. You know, of course, it fits. It's a big airplane. It's got the but room. But you don't yeah. fly it. Same thing I've always said with the F-14, you know. Um, could you fit 5,800s in it? Sure. Do I fly with them? No. I designed it for 4,000s. I fly five minutes. It's plenty enough for me. Uh, it's cheap. It's light. And that's how I like it. <laughs> Bill Decker says I should bring one home from Flight Fest next year. Well, if I if Flight Fest and all this stuff happens, I'm bringing home my carbon with the with the gas motor. Everything now, unfortunately for Andre, is pushed a year. So yes. we, we have finally converted Andre to fuel. <laughs> well, and and you laugh, but I've got friends who are putting I won't say putting money down, but they're like, look. Once you fly gas and you sit there and go, I just flew eight minutes, landed, and I don't even have to refill. I can go fly again. You know, they're like, your life is going to change your perception. of life. But I'm like, I'm still going to enjoy my batteries because there's going to be days where I'm not going to get out to the flying field. I'm just going to go to the park with the other crew and just have a good time there. There's Tyler. Tyler talking about that. or He knows what I'm talking about. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 I'm... 
I'm excited about this next thing. I'm a little upset that, that I haven't got to fly it yet, but I mean, I've only, I picked up the airplane in June. July was kind of monkey, uh, but it's just, you know, things will come and I'm making that, those progressions. And I still have a litany of EDF jets that I haven't even flown yet, but it's funny because um, I haven't had a desire to fly the jets. Flying EDFs, and you probably know this, Alpha, there are probably days where you're just like, I don't want to fly this thing because I don't want to deal with the uh, the stress, you know. Uh, it, it, it happens. It, it happens, you know. Like, there's a lot going on in life for right now. And EDF flying, there's, there's this level of anxiety, right? And it's like, I'm thundering through the sky with this thing at Mach 2. I need maximum focus. And it's like that three to five minutes of terror. I think I described it when I first started. But it's funny because once you get into that rhythm and you start going, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel as bad. But I know the first time I go out, when I crack a jet open, I fly it the first time. It is just the heart's pounding, the fingers are shaking while you transfer that down to legs, right? But the adrenaline, it is a pure, I guess EDFs, that's, EDFs are really good adrenaline junkie aircraft, you know, because you just get out there. And so, yeah. And then Aaron's saying, that's why I like my, my Radiant because I get to relax. And yeah, and and that's the, yep. also the awesome part about this freaking hobby, right? There is a plane for every moment. It's too windy. High wing with lots of power. Um, you know, I want to go gliding. Well, there's your Radiant or whatever or your DLG, right, Bill? Look at that behind you. Uh, that's going to go flying eventually. And just I all of these things. Uh, your DLG. <laughs> I, I want to I do a math equation. You know, here's your turbine with your ECU setup. There's so many... <laughs> things that you could uh you could do you're right well this Something is for it every... this is it uh it's funny because like you know uh i look at the turbines and all that you know and and i we had that fantastic discussion with uh with with everybody you uh you know who flies the turbines and i just sit there and go wow you know that's you know, you get away with saying, look, you know, this is a really nice aircraft. Yeah, you know, your new jet costs a little bit of money, but turbines are just that that's even further over the scale <laughs> yeah. so it's um it's interesting i'm i can't wait to see what you guys do with this one i can't wait to see what the community does but we say this every time because there's so many amazing paint jobs that this aircraft came out with um what made you go with the digital camo yeah so um we are slated to do gray you know, at the time, this is this is last spring. We're thinking, oh, the F twenty two is gray, the F thirty five is gray. We've got a gray version of the F eighteen. Um, we've got gray aircraft in the pipeline, and we thought, there's surely we can do something else. Also, Freewing has a long history with camo Sukhois and Migs. I mean, their mm-hmm. their very first, Freewing's first model ever uh, was a twin sixty more uh, twin sixty four Su thirty four. A uh, so, so that and that was a camo bird. Then they did their twin seventy MIG, uh, and that was that that wasn't gray. They had two air show schemes. Then they did the Su thirty five. Those had the fractal the fractal scheme, which is the blue, and then the splinter, which is the yellow. So they've never done a gray uh, Sukhoi or Mikoyan. And I thought, well, let's keep that going, and we can really we've used the tech of the of the ninety millimeter F twenty two and the seventy millimeter F thirty five. Uh, to really, I think, hone our craft with water slide decals. Mm. Um, the F-5 has 
it has rivets on some of the water slide decals that are that are smaller than pin pricks. They're really sharp printed and they look great. So we thought that's a way that we could add dimensionality to the MIG and give it depth uh, without using a paint mold. Paint mold is always going to have a bit of spray, but but with digital by by printing these water slide digital uh, camo overlays, we were able to achieve there's hundreds of boxes and rectangles on the aircraft in four different colors. But from a mass production standpoint, it goes on pretty easily. Um, so they're easy to repair for customers if you ever ding a wing or, or whatnot. But also for that short time in, you get something that's visually interesting. You know, the first in the world, first production uh, aircraft with this type of digital camo on it. Um, so we get to check all the boxes that we like to. Unique, new, not been done before, still easily producible. And so far, people seem to like it. The couple people who don't, I say, well, that's why we did water slide, not vinyl. You know, five bucks, five minutes of, of primer, and you're back to a gray airplane. Just paint right over it. Nice. But, um, well, I just, a, yeah, actually, a couple of guys who are green camos and other liveries. So should be fun. Well, that's actually, you bring up a really neat and interesting point in that, you know, um, a lot of lot of those graphics, unless you want to do sanding and all this stuff. So that's kind of neat that, that it lays down thinner, obviously, than the vinyl. And then you, I guess your sheen, you don't have as much, you don't have the, the plat. Well, yeah, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah there's, there's silvering on, on water slide decals typically associated with the carrier on top of it. So that's another thing we tweak with the F-35 is working with different printers, decal printers, who can get us a closer, it's not matte, but it needs to be closer to the sheen of the foam around it. So that's something that we've been working on. And again, it's one of those things in hindsight, um, in, in hindsight that people might, might realize, oh, when they did it on the F-22, they were testing out that approach for the F-35. And once they did it on the F-35, they, uh, they then adapted that new skill set that we learned to a bigger aircraft like the MiG. We couldn't have done the MiG's scheme two years ago. Nice. We really set up for those types of decals. So small steps, but but that's how you get firsts. <laughs> so diving into this, where were some of the compromises? I mean, we know there's going to be a compromise besides the size and all that. W was there anything that you were kind of like, I really want to do this, but I know it's going to break the bank, so I have to go with this? Uh, yeah, so the the 3D thrust vectoring was probably one. You know, I'm 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 a weirdo, so I, I, I happen to like flying my Mirage upside down most of the time. And so, you know, the thrust vectoring for... for the kind of pilot who who likes to just make the scale guys roll in their graves. You know, I really <laughs> like the idea of 3D thrust in the aircraft. You know? At the same time, I recognize that's a whole lot of customer service calls. Um, how do we set it up or it crashed on me or whatnot? And so yeah. that was a, a was not so much a compromise, but that was definitely a conscious decision. Um, to make the aircraft more accessible. The other one would probably be the undercarriage. You know, we made some tweaks in the undercarriage to make it more practical. Um, but again, you got to you got to know when to make those calls. So, with something like this, like um, you know, you look at some of the the boards that that the, the flex uh, all the flex aircraft use. Is that something that you guys are going to start looking into when you when you? branch into something like this having a customized like if you did do your vectoring thrust and everything 
would you start putting a board into this thing so it's set up and it's controlling it and it's you know just so you yeah. kind of circumvent half that navigation that 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 the pilots or not the pilot but the owners have to do yes and no i mean it's it's a double-edged sword because the the if you focus if you do all that work for the user you're focusing all of that that energy that potential energy on one part as in it doesn't work ergo it was your fault um so that becomes problematic for two reasons first and foremost being if you make it too easy people frankly who shouldn't be flying the airplane start flying it um dji i mean my nephew can buy one at best buy right now and go fly it into someone and 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 that's it's dangerous i'm using an extreme example obviously yeah. but for example turbines have any break in the hobby and in life really there there are what i perceive are necessary plateaus necessary steps beyond which someone really needs to have all the prerequisites and skill sets um, required in the previous stage to be able to progress to the next you know if a turbine was truly turnkey if you truly could go to best buy like you could buy a, a dji and, and you can go buy a turbine go buy a, a spark or a or an ultra flash and take it out to the field and turn it on and go take off I think most of us listening would be horrified by that prospect because it would be too simple, right? That person would have zero, nothing would have been required of them before they could put that weapon in the sky. So to bring it back to something like the MiG or, or other aircraft, um, certainly putting a board, a mixing board, an onboard gyro system, you know, if it's awesome and it's great and it never works, you know, that's going to that's gonna improve people's experience with the product up until it's not. Um, and, and if it's not, if you need to disable the gyro on board, can you still fly the airplane? You know, we're developing an aircraft now. Uh, the, actually, the F-22 is another great example. Um, the real aircraft, they're dimensionally unstable. They're not yes. supposed to be able to fly. You know, so, so initially we designed it so that it was supremely acrobatic, but inherently unstable. Um, and we were going to bake in a gyro because we have gyros with the Admiral stuff. We got hobby eagles and whatnot. So we looked at that option. Freewing produces their own gyro as well. We say, well, why don't we package it with the gyro and just make sure that the gyro was always on? But what happens when it's not? Um, if yeah. the if the pilot yeah. relies on that, that's a problem. If you're in a champ, that's fine. Um, if you're in a big jet like this you need to learn how to fly which means you need to know how to set it up which means i'm not going to make it that easy for you yeah uh technical um the the elevators are they separate or are they a single channel uh elevators well they're they're separate servos driven um they go into the board the board synchronizes them into one output gotcha but there's no it's not there's no logic it's essentially a y harness yep. on a, on a yeah, yeah, yeah. pc Yep. I was just curious because then, you know, you could probably get into some really fun stuff, but you could also get yep. into trouble really fast. <laughs> in, our, in our live stream, we were quick to point out, we said, look, the, the turtle deck, so the, the canopy down to the to where the, the, the fuel cells are typically in the real aircraft, about midway in the fuselage, that entire piece, which is about, it's over a third of the length of the airplane, that's the battery hatch. The whole thing comes off. Mm -hmm. And you see the battery, the avionics bay in the middle where the where the mfcb is and where your receiver goes and then the the aft battery which is closer to the cg 
So we were saying someone had asked, you know, can I put a power box in there or what other thing can I, what other device can I put in there? Because he's thinking of doing a turbine conversion. And I said, look, you can put whatever you can in that area. But once you do, you're, that's you. You know, you want to break out your controls to do individually addressable trim. That's great. But, you know, at that stage, that's you. The best we can do is make it as easy to access, which is frankly why we made the turtle deck that large. We knew people would be putting, I'll say, other power plants yep. into the air. So um, as much as we could make that easier to do, we tried. But, uh, but yeah, spelling it out for everyone is probably never in the cards for us. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. No, that's, 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 it's neat to see. Um, I, uh, I'm, yeah, that is, uh, it, it's got me, it's got me kept, it's, it's got me captivated. Um, I'm, I look forward to September when, when, when people start rolling this thing out and having a little fun with it. Cause I, I want to see what it can do. Uh, like I said, I haven't even got mine out, but I don't even know if I'm going to fly any jets yet this year. So it's just the way it goes. But, uh, Sheepers. Uh, looking at uh, the other offerings throughout the, the community this this week, the last two weeks or so, I'm going to flip over to the website and we can get your take on a few things too if you want, Alpha. But the Habu came back. Um, yeah. Yeah, 70 mil. And they, they, they dumped in, uh, obviously they, they dumped in their, their board and everything, their AS3X, and their, I think it's got the safe on board. If I was, I'm, I'm getting used to, Horizon changed their website, and it took me off, it caught me off guard because I went to go to click on the what's new, and there was no what's new. So um, this is the P&P, so I don't actually have that right aircraft. Actually, I'm going to go grab it and find it. Aircraft, oh my, there we go. See, told you, I'm not used to their website yet. Ready, bind and fly. Where's the Habu? Habu! I've actually never flown one of their uh, the, their Habu jets. I'm probably You've never flown the, back in, I think it was 2012, they did the Habu 2. I know, and I've never, well, 2012, I wasn't actually flying an RC. So, uh, come on, where is it? Uh, do they have a bind and fly? They have to have a bind and fly version of that aircraft. Maybe they don't. They don't? I, I know the PNP's online. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was on the PNP. Uh, anyhow, we'll go back to that then. Uh, so there you go. That one's back. That's, you know, I guess that's your equivalent smart jet. Uh, so that's the, that's referring to their ESE combo and everything. This design's been around for a while. I mean, I guess you guys have your versions of, of you know, very similar aircraft. Um, and kind of like your your entry level, go and have some fun kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's it's important, I think, you know, as citizens of the global hobby. Um, everything can't be super fast, and everything certainly shouldn't be 50 bucks. You know, you got to have that range. So, you know, the Habu back in the day, and, and I hope going forward, it's a good spot for people who want to get into an aircraft, um, like a 90 millimeter or like a, like a 105 from HSD or turbines or whatever. You're going to start somewhere. And um, $220, $250 seems to be the, good, the sweet spot for new pilots in the 70 millimeter class. You got to get started somewhere. 
Well, I mean, you, you make a very valid point, and I have friends who are all excited. Yeah, I got my first, I got, I got a gem for Christmas. And then they realized, oh, I need 6S packs, you know, and it's like, wow. And they, I get messages going, I didn't realize how expensive some of that stuff is. Uh, and so, yeah, it is nice to see. Wow, I didn't even realize this thing is a 3S jet. That's crazy. <laughs> You can upgrade and fly it on 4S, which makes total sense. But, you know, so it's kind of nice. I mean, y you have to see that, too, in, in some of your numbers and your sales where you, you get the, the, the one extreme and then you get the other extreme, right? Yeah, absolutely. And people run into, like, the battery issue. I also like to say, I mean, there's eight years ago, there were a lot of people who joined us and said, look, I want to get to a turbine. And there's this sense that, Everyone enters at the same point, i.e. with like a T28, <laughs> and they sit at the same point at like turbines. It's not true. Some people come in and they just say, I just like, once they know how to fly, assuming people know how to fly, they sort of pick their niche and they only like 70s because they don't have uh, grass. They're, they're on paved surfaces. Or they say, I just want the big stuff because they have a historical connection. Um or they say, I just like gliders because I'm, a, I'm in a windy area or whatever the case may be. But the notion that people come in and then progress upward along a single track, which is to say that anyone who isn't, you know, if you're not a turbine driver, that means you still have more to go in the hobby. I think that's, you know, that doesn't fit. It's no. perfectly acceptable for people to come in, find something to like, stay right there, go up, go down. We've all had a drone. We've all had a helicopter. Right, we've all crashed the helicopter. Um, <laughs> we've all done our experimentation, and uh, and I think that's all that's all good. The um, the challenge just becomes for me. It's more about individual responsibility and accountability to help people. Like we were all helped, hopefully, to learn safely. If someone can come in, and if we do a lot at Motion RC, someone calls in and says, "I want the F-14. It's awesome." We say, "No, I can't, I can't sell you that airplane." I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm not going to sell you an Avanti to your 12-year-old son for Christmas. Like <laughs> your business, but but our hobby is more important than a sale. So, have you seen this little $80, you know, flight stabilized UMX airplane? Have you seen this? Have you seen a simulator? Like there are so many more safer ways to get people into flying, um, and then let their own skill set inform how they stay in the hobby, because you know. Crashed airplanes and angry mothers and 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 suspicious uh, suspecting FAA people <laughs> doesn't yeah. for our hobby. Well, and and, and so going back to something else you said, like you know, some people's fine. You know, great, you're flying a turbine, you've got the skill set and everything. And like you said, some people are like, you know what, seventy mil is fast enough for me. That size is good enough for me. I can track it. I can fly it. I don't feel like I'm out of control. I can enjoy the hobby for what it is. I can fly safely. I can go and, uh, um, you know, Alex says something about instant gratification generation. Well, that's, come on. The reason we love our jets, uh, you know, with our 6S packs is exactly that. There is no, you know, like what we're just talking about in the podcast. There is no dealing with the fuel, checking out the balance and all this stuff. It's plug the jet in, go fly for four minutes, smile, giggle, land the thing, hopefully. <laughs> four minutes is, is stretching it you know fly yes land no right thank you uh thank you indiana jones um 
So, yeah, and, and part of what you're saying, there, there's some comments about this this aircraft, the, the, the Habu being pushed as, you know, your first jet. And you know what? That's what it was marketed for, and you guys have got your 70 mil jets that are, are marketed as your, your, your potential first jet, you know. Uh, so it is it is valid, I mean, but this one... Personal, you know, it comes down to... Companies, my company, other company, anyone's going to sort of position an aircraft as they see it. Yeah, that's fine. Companies are supposed to do, but as consumers, and I'm one too, you know, I still listen. I, I, I trust and verify. So I may look at that and say, okay, so they're saying that it's 70 and it's a beginner, and is this the first plane I want to give to my son? I'm going to look at reviews. I'm going to go to a club, and that's where I think we all have a role to play. Yes, sort of saying. Yeah, ma'am. Um, why don't we buddy box him on my airplane first and see how he is? And if he's great, maybe sure buy it. If he isn't, you know, you know. Or have you tried a simulator at a hobby shop? I mean, there are a lot of ways where you can instantly know: is this something you can try or not? Now, there's there's a there's a kid. He's no longer a kid, but at Apollo in Southern California, his name is Coco. Um, he's on Instagram. He's one of those famous pilots. But he's one of those guys who is. He was, I want to say he was nine and then 10 years old several years ago. And he flew turbines and he flew the pants off of them. He flew the paint off of a VLOX and a VLOX XL. And, and he astounded all these pilots, me and everyone else. We've been flying for decades. He was better than us. He was more intuitive. He was more precise. He was more responsible. He set up the aircraft himself. You know, that would, I would say, is impressive. It's also um, demoralizing, but it's also an aberration, right? Most 10-year-olds <laughs> would not be able to comp- competently fly a turbine, whether or not that company was advertising themselves as a beginner. So, you know, regardless of what any company says, mine and anyone else, people got to just use their heads um, and, and rely on other people to give honest, objective opinion. And then also give space, I think, for, hey, maybe the kid is a savant and he's going to be amazing. Great. But if he's not, there needs to be an adult there on the buddy box ready to save the aircraft and save it from hitting someone. Yes, yes. So it's, uh, it is it is fascinating. It is fun. And I'm loving some of the comments here, what he's saying in, in the live stream. You know, just be John Davis. Hey, man, just because I settled on high wings and sail means doesn't mean a habu isn't pretty cool. And, and you're right. And, and I, I think... Um, uh, we were, uh, some of my uh, buddies, we were reminiscing, you know, about some of the photos from 2016, you know. Yeah, so like four years ago. And the layout was much different as far as the aircraft was. And, and uh, we, we've, we've talked about it time and time again. You know, everybody is, mo- you move through this hobby and you do things and you change. And, and you know, like I said, I'm sitting here in the middle of a very different journey. So, yeah, speaking of gliders... <laughs> The, uh, the crescendo, crescendo, yeah, crescendo, yeah, 1.5 meter band and fly basic with safe select. I don't know why you would put safe select on a glider, but okay. (laughs) In case you have to take a nap. Yeah, well, you know, like Chris, Chris from, from, from days ago would talk about, you know, flying their glider and everything and just like, you know, I, I, 
this is a fun aircraft. This is a, you know, you bolt the wings on, you do your, your stunts and your flights and everything. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more zippy of an aircraft, uh, versus the radiant. Uh, and I, I, I have my night radiant. In fact, I have the module and, and so the ESC is sitting here in front of me because I just got rid of the EC3 connector and put on my XT60 giggle. Um, Nice plane. I think I would still go with a Radian, but this thing will boogie a little bit, you know, and there's nothing wrong with a, uh, you know, like a, a more sporty class glider, I guess is the, the term we want to use. You can definitely have uh, a lot of fun with it and just, you know, beam it around, glide it around, get low, get dirty and power up, invert it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have sport acrobatic gliders, I think. Well, it's, there's a, there's you a know. few of them out there. And, you know, the um, V-Tail used to be a good one. There's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of balsa sailplanes that have been converted that still fly very well on electric. Yep. And this one's got a nice range, 3S 1300 to 22, 4S 1000 to 22. Uh, so that's pretty good. I mean, you can run it on 4S. That means you can, you know, whip it around. It's got the collapsing props. So you could do some pretty aggressive dives and everything. Uh, and so, yes, lots of fun. Uh, plug and play is the way to go from my experience. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler, I agree. Um, a lot of, you know, all this stuff is fun. Uh, it's nice to have the bind and fly and some of the stuff. I actually don't mind the AS3X too, too much, especially in something like this, but I don't want safe. Uh, I find the safe just, just interferes with the flying experience. So, Yeah, exactly. William Decker's building a bird at time. Todd, one of our, uh, one of our guys on the team here at Motion RC, he finishes bird at time recently. That's a good airplane. That's an old, beautiful. Old, yeah, looks beautiful. Goes together really nicely. Flies really well. You know, if you only had one balsa plane in that format, you know, bird of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just like you know, that's like the granddaddy of all these aircraft that we love now. I mean, I still have my original Radiant, and and it's funny. Uh, I've said it before. Um, I don't fly the Radiant enough because it's almost one of those social airplanes where. You, Flying a glider of that scale and everything by yourself and just hanging around and putzing around, you know, it's 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 um it's almost boring <laughs> to have friends with you to sit there, you know. Not as crazy as flight fest because when you have twenty or thirty freaking radians together in the air, it's traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's that's a really good word to describe it, right? Because you're sitting there. Smoke bomb, you know. Well, I and mean, as you're, you do as put out smoke, and everyone's flying through your smoke screen. Well, that's yeah, yeah. I'm no, no, never, no. And we'd all do the crazy Ivans and turn left. Um, it will be really interesting. You know, I'm I have the light pack and everything. Um, thank you, Brian from Wingnuts, for sending me a new one. Uh, my other one wasn't switching from the channels and everything, so I wasn't getting a light show correctly. So I'm really looking forward to actually doing that and flying that aircraft. My only beef with the new Radian is screws. Uh, it's like I wish they had a better wing system to put it together. So, uh, anyone see a Radian flying left handed circles? <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you, John. The most terrifying moment five minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, Aaron's asking 
uh, do I try to fly most things that come out just to keep up on the competition? Um, Ooh, I yes. try to fly most things that come out because I'm addicted to flying things. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's because of the competition. It's a small world. We know most people. Um, we're not curing cancer. Every Anyone who knows me over the years knows our attitude is we do our honest best to do our part for our part of the hobby. Um, other people do their parts. If we all do our part, we're fine. Life is short. So I'm not, I don't see a lot of value in, um, you know, it's just not really worth our time to go fly something and see, you know, for the purpose of seeing what is in it. Because candidly, if if I were to see something today that was really great in an airplane that was released today, it might be two years based on my current pipeline before I can release an aircraft that has you know that thing about it. Um, that responsiveness it's too slow. By the time we you know had a had what they had, it's if it if it really took us that long to weaponize, we'd be too late. So instead, we just try and focus on. Developing aircraft, we develop them based on user feedback and based on our eight or so years and 50 airplanes of me doing this. And um, when it comes time to fly like new things, that's separate. I fly it because I want to fly everything. I want to buy every car. I want to buy freaking boat. I mean, this kids, you know. <laughs> you know, that makes, that makes me laugh because uh, there's a very famous posted picture of a post-it note that basically the ratio of uh, exiting aircraft to entering aircraft into the and I've reached a point where it's just like I've run out of floor space and I'm I'm you know all the all the fuel-based aircraft are now in the garage and I'm having to get very creative because there's bikes in there there's a sports car in there I'm a very spoiled lucky man <laughs> yeah. oh boy uh, so, okay. Uh, there are a few questions here. Uh, we might actually take a minute to talk to the, to, to say them. Uh, Farmers RC. Hey guys, oh, welcome to the, uh, welcome to the show. And, uh, thank you for subscribing. Uh, Alex asked, have you guys been suffering from any backlog or back order issues? How is your supply and demand going? Yeah. So I think this has been covered on, on news network networks around the world. Hobbies seem to be seen a resurgence. Um, puzzles are out of stock at Amazon and those types of things. So we've seen, um, thankfully, we've, I think we have the best customers in the world. We haven't seen a massive drop-off uh, because one of the advantages of, of us being in Asia is we saw this thing coming. Remember we, we talked about yep. this months ago? Yes, sir. Um, Hope that I was wrong, but turns out we weren't. So we were able to sort of get ahead of the curve um, I mean, make no mistake. We've we've needed to make a lot of hard decisions and a lot of um, a lot of changes to stay ahead of the situation. But you know, the result is we've stayed ahead of the situation. So even in the past two months, when this has gotten really bad, we've announced Corali, we've announced Tamiya, we've brought in all the Tamiya stuff and Tamiya paint, Tamiya trucks, and Tamiya tanks. We we brought in Kyosho. We announced the Mig 29. We did the OV10. Like we continue, we just continue on. Um, yeah. In the past six months, we've brought in tanks and boats and three other brands we never had before. The Nexa Balsa Incorporation, like, yeah, it's almost as if you know. 
And my uh, uh, buddy on the chat right now, Tyler, who uh, works at Great Hobbies, who have been doing an amazing job taking care of this guy as he merges into the gas uh, and the, the the fuel. He uh, like even they were seeing like uh, even in the beginning of the year, like Christmas. Um, he says like insane resurgent in the hobby. Um, probably not the huge focus on on flying and stuff like this, but like the ground based vehicles and everything, especially with all the rule changes and, and and stuff like that. But just an uptick in the entire hobby. And every time I go into that that store uh, with you know uh, even even in the current situation uh, with everybody wearing masks and everything, it's always got people in it so it's um it's fascinating yeah. and really good to see i mean like you said you guys have diversified in as far as what you're doing with your hobby and everything or so your supply chain and everything so it's pretty kind of cool so um bill decker says he loves his nexa tiger moth and uh farmers rc channel thanks for uh, subscribing and following along and yep we're uh you know and you know Ontario based as well so that's pretty cool so uh, I don't think I see any other questions everything has been started to fly again too yes Tyler has been flying Tyler Tyler is responsible for that uh, extra sitting in my garage uh, it was part of his influence plus also Chris um, Gooden who's a good supporter of the podcast as well so thanks <laughs> so we're gonna have a lot of fun moving forward i will do my best to make sure i have a camera and everything sitting with me when i go flying at the field for the first time i may even try and drag tyler out there to make sure i got some some buddy who uh who who knows what's going on with his aircraft not that i can't fly it um there was a question somewhere asked us about the e-flight uh sukhoi uh, you know what? You go back into my YouTube channel years ago. I rocked the green one. The blue one was even better when they retuned the AS3X control on board. The green one was special with stability mode and stuff, but it was still a fun aircraft. Uh, I eventually, yes, did sell it, but I was also transitioning through. And, you know, like my warm up aircraft, uh, best to have a cameraman. Ah, I got the ball cap. Uh, my warm up aircraft now, when I go 3D flying, will definitely be my um, Flex uh, Mamba 10. So there we go. All right. I want to very quickly thank um, our good friends now at Buddy RC. Remember, everybody, um, discount code of 10%. And that is you go to Buddy RC. Discount is RC after hours. Uh, and it's good till October. And again, Thank you to all the Patreon uh, supporters. You guys have been absolutely amazing over the last couple months, uh, given all the changes that uh, that were going on, and you've uh, remained very consistent, and it's appreciated. You keep the podcast uh, pumping along and everything. And, of course, I have to thank our, uh, our guest, Alpha, for coming out and spending some time. You've probably had a very busy social media week with this aircraft whenever something new comes out um so your time is very much appreciated so again i'm andre that's alpha thank you for coming out and uh we'll talk to you guys next time ciao ciao